0: This
1: is the CreaseCast. Welcome Oops. to the CreaseCast, everybody. Um, Hi, everybody. Interesting, it's a bit of a day late uh, episode with our uh, trade deadline recap, but you can bl- send all your hate mail to the AHL, who thought it was a good idea to schedule the Comets uh, into 19 games in 36 days after their... Covid layoff that they had over the last month. So, but surely no one else would be crazy
0: enough to do that. So, no, no you'd other league, be, no pro. Yeah. You never see the NHL say doing something no. cra- as crazy as nineteen games in thirty-six days. Was that the, it?
1: Thirty-six. Yes. So, the AHL has elected to do nineteen and thirty-six, but the NHL values integrity, competitive integrity. So they opted for a more reasonable. 1930. Which, like, we can get into that like a bit later. But, anyways, folks, sorry that this episode's coming a bit late. You can blame the comets for front loading their schedule with two back-to-backs in a span of six days. That means I'm on game recap duty two nights in a row, and then have to cram in game uh stats tracking for the next two days on top of everything else that's going on in my life, which is a lot. And then you squeeze in the trade deadline in that as well. And I think you and I both were kind of like, they're not going to do anything. There's no way the Canucks are going to do anything. This trade deadline, like they're just like in this awkward spot. Jim Benning comes out on the Friday or something like that. And he's like, Oh, like, human element matters a lot to me and I'm not going to trade anybody that has COVID after this like period of time we're going through so everyone's kind of like nah they're not going to do anything and then <laughs> literally the day of the deadline it's like oh yeah fuck, oh, all hell fuck breaks loose everything I just said got it yeah. he he literally like got announced that he's come off the COVID list or the protocol list. It was like the second that happened, Jim was like, he's out of here. And then Jordy Ben also gets shipped because like, I mean, he didn't really ever have a, like a strong footing with the team anyway. So it was kind of just like a a sure thing. He was going to be gone no matter what. And uh, then they do a little pick flippy and uh, suddenly a trade deadline where you and I kind of weren't anticipating having a lot to talk about becomes a lot to talk about because yes. the best thing that happened out of this was Jim Bedding did another press conference.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, he did mul- well. He did. Mul- he did because uh, he well since he since did radio we as well. Last did a show. Yes, since we last did a show, he did the one on Friday uh, talking about the Tanner Pearson. Well, the Tanner Pearson and the Thatcher Demco extensions, but it was really just about the Pearson one. Yeah, um, and. Uh, as well as like talking about updating everybody on the COVID uh, situation, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then he went on the radio, uh, kind of, kind of yelled at some people. Not like yelled at them, yelled at them, but uh, definitely, uh, you could. There was some frustration going on. Yes. And then you get to uh, Monday, and uh, first of all, just want to say uh, thanks, thanks a lot, NHL, for uh, scheduling the trade deadline on on a Monday. Really, really appreciated that. Uh, normally every, normally every year I do like a live blog on the trade deadline day and I purposely Mm. take the day off to do it. And this year I didn't specifically because I, A, um, I, I kind of, you know, just, uh, I kind of forgot. Like I literally, it kind (laughs) of snuck up on, well, it snuck up on me in the sense of, uh, too late to schedule a day off sort of thing. So it was still like two weeks away, but too late for me to actually put in the request for the time off. Sure. Um, but, and also kind of, I kind of let it slip because I was like, they're not going to do anything. I didn't think they were going to do anything that significant that would warrant me staying home all day and, um, re- and, uh, typing out stuff. And <laughs> then they, and then I get the, te- the, the DM from you. Uh, and I'm like, uh, once again, you alert me to what's going on, I do. uh, where Garnett gets traded to the Blackhawks, uh, Adam Garnett gets traded to the Blackhawks in exchange for Matthew Highmore, a forward, noted forward that we all know and love, and definitely didn't yes. have to search on the internet before, uh, doing that. before any of us did the show, and I'm I, including, I'm, I'm including not all searching media, him Matt. Right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not searching him right now, that's for sure.
0: My first thought was, you know what, They're, uh, my first, the only thing I know about Matthew Highmore, uh, knew, well, knew prior to um, them picking him up is his versatility. I mean, he's shown that he can do well in The Good Doctor on ABC. And, uh, he also showed that he can carry a bad, a bad crew, a bad, uh, a bad team, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that 2005 remake with Johnny Depp. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. But he held down the fort. Uh, and, oh, but then I was told that that's
1: actually a different person. Um,
0: yeah. Freddie Highmore. Wait, do you not know who that what? is? no no freddie I'm, highmore the kid is
1: freddie highmore both the good doctor and the kid from charlie and the chocolate factory yeah he's yeah he's also in the Spiderwick chronicles that movie that other movie that,
0: that other like yeah that's that's him he's also in of neverland right?
1: finding yeah. neverland
0: i think is the other that, one
1: that's actually where i know him from i believe because mm. yeah. i knew it was another it was the better movie. the better johnny Depp movie <laughs> yeah but yeah that's that's actually, that's a good, that's a good drop. That's a good reference. But yeah. yeah uh, kind of a weird trade because of the whole, like God, is coming off or he's not coming off of this year, but last year he was a 30 point guy in a very sheltered role. He could be a very good power play contributor, Chris Faber, Of uh, Canucks Army has been preaching the Adam Gaudet individual uh, expected goals and Corsi for and scoring chances generated by him. He's been all about like the underlying stats and how he's just been like having rotten shooting luck. And then in exchange, they get a guy who's got like what is it eight points in seventy six games in his entire (laughs) NHL career. Like it's eighty not, games or something. It's not. Instant. It's not okay. nearly comparable to what Godet's brought offensively to the NHL.
0: No. So over the course of uh, it looks like about uh, four seasons prior to this, he has kind of jumped back and forth in between uh, the Blackhawks and the Rockford IceHogs of <laughs> the AHL. Um, he did all right one year in the uh, in the AHL, forty three points and sixty four games with the IceHogs in 2017 twenty seventeen eighteen. Uh, last year, uh, he only, he played 36 games, uh, with the Hawks, had six points, uh, also played, but also played nine playoff games, uh, and got four and got three goals and an assist in nine playoff games last year, um, which I believe is where a lot of Jim Benning's, uh, management team based, uh, their decision, uh, to pick him up, to pick him up off of, from seeing him in the bubble. Um, this year he's played 24 games, only two assists. Uh, he is... He's been a bit of a—not a non-factor uh, for them, but, of course, because of the taxi squad stuff, uh, he has not been able to go down to the AHL like normal, so they've kept they've held on to him uh, for most of the year. Um, I am glad that we did this episode. Originally, I was thinking we were going to maybe do this episode yesterday on Monday right after the deadline because uh, I was going to get—because I was just— watching kind of a little bit fuming uh and i was like and i'm i'm glad I s- we slept on it a little bit here because i think i'm a little bit more calm and rational today yeah we um, were
1: you're been... we both pretty heated in our little conversation i with, not with each other folks don't worry no. lachlan and i get along but we were yes. very like kind of just like like it's what beef. the fuck is the game plan what's the what's yeah. the what's the plan here like what what's the sense in in any of these moves and I've calmed down a bit, but at the same time, I'm also still like, I still don't see a semblance of a plan because if the the reports are true and that they were reportedly shopping God earlier this year, months ago, which I mean, I don't know if anyone, any of them have looked at the calendar, but months ago was December <laughs> months ago was January. Like when the season started. So like, it's not like months ago is, you know, like oh way before like mid season it's like no that's the start of the season so you're telling me during the start of the season you soured on him and you were ready to get rid of him yeah i don't know it's 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 very bizarre yeah. and it's kind of like if if you weren't certain about what he could bring next year or if you were going to like in your management meeting you said okay if godet takes another step that's really good for us. But if he doesn't, then we need to move on. Then wouldn't your gut instinct be if it's like the, if the worst case scenario is we need to get rid of him, then wouldn't you just sell high on him? 33 point like young center. Who's like lowest qualifying qualifying offer was like sub a million dollars. I would have sold high. And instead, like we know they do with multiple assets is they they sell low.
0: Yeah, they let it. De- they very clearly sell far too often. Sell players, not just prospects. Lots of players. They sell just way too Late everything way they too sell low. too
1: late, too low. When was the? I mean, I don't think any anyone's ever been sold high on this team.
0: I think Erica. Uh, I guess <laughs> I think you could kind I, of yeah. argue Erica Branson was sold high, considering what Tanner Pearson. Gave and considering in the, he in the, in the long run?
1: And considering he still has some kind of pedigree with NHL GMs for some reason. Nashville well, hey now, gave up a got, pick for him.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he got a like, seventh. He garnered a
1: Is it really selling high on him or is it just like NHL GMs for whatever reason just have a mold of a type of guy that they they love and good Branson even though all the metrics will say do not sign this guy. Everyone wants him because he's big and he's very, very, very handsome. Which is true. Yes. Like, I mean, I get it.
0: Yes, I, I totally get that too. Um, this is yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on below the surface when it comes to the godet's uh trade. Uh, a lot of it's well, like, there's just a lot of layers to it because it's mm. not as clear cut. It it's clearly not as clear-cut. As oh, this player's not as not good. This we don't like this player, like or he's right. not good enough, sort of thing. It very clearly in the last twenty four hours has become. Well, I wouldn't say clear, but like it's it, there's a lot of uh, rumors and uh, stuff floating out there that uh, it's not just it's not so much about the on ice stuff, and we're not going to get into that too much today because no, a because... we don't know anything. We don't guessed. know anything about what's going on in that, so it's kind of it'd be it'd be it'd be shitty of us to uh, speculate on what those things are because they're all a lot of them are unsubstantiated rumors. The things yeah. that we can talk about are very, according to like Elliot Friedman, uh, he was on Thirty One Thoughts today. One of the things that he mentioned is that a couple of the people that he's talked to about the COVID situation. Uh, mm-hmm. some players have said that it was over, that the coverage of it was overblown. Um, others have said, uh, that it was awful and that, like I've said, like other, be- I've said, it's completely awful and there's a clear divide on that front. Yeah. And that in itself screams, uh, not good. Things are not good in the locker room. If you're having a divide over what's going on in there on what, on the seriousness of the COVID situation and... What's also, what also came out is a, it is the fact that whether or not the COVID, uh, whether or not the COVID uh, outbreak uh, was, had, was Adam Gaudet or his, you know, Adam Gaudet's fault necessarily, Mm -hmm. I, whether or not that's the case, it does sound like the team really put some of the blame on him or really like made him <laughs> shoulder the blame as patient zero here, yeah. um, which is
1: not good, which is uh, not which is the why right thing to do. It's just why we don't want to get into the speculation side of it, because I mean, if what Friedman's reporting and that like the team soured or whatever and blamed him for like, like, need 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 we remind you that this is a global pandemic where you could stay indoors for three weeks straight and go outside once and do some kind of activity that requires you to interact with the public and you can catch it just as frequently as someone who spends every day outdoors interacting with the public and doesn't get it like it's no pure pure luck of the draw and the if if it is true that the players soured on him, like if the ones with families or whatever, will like get this guy out of here because he, he's the reason why we're all sick right now. Like that reflects very poorly on those players, that management group. And sure. Maybe it wasn't like the dominating factor for why they moved on from him. But the fact that it's even coming up at all. And it's like a point of contention is like kind of really gross. Mm -hmm. And it's just like unfair to, voice some kind of frustration over like the P how people deal with the COVID pandemic themselves and project that onto these two players who are or this player who like could have done everything perfectly. And if he still got it, there's nothing he could have done anyway. And to place blame on him because you're sick is just like really gross. Yeah, and that's not. I yeah, saw not a cool few. Though. I saw a few things on Twitter where people were like, "Oh, I sp-, like people legitimately speculating and naming names, like, oh, so and so would be the type to d- no, do not do this shit." I I messaged the person direct, or I think I I replied and I was like, you "Delete this," because you, nobody in their right mind should be speculating who would be the type to ask this guy to be tra- or ask the GM to trade this guy because he doesn't no. take COVID seriously, and it is. Highly, highly unethical to imply on Twitter that you have information on said player breaking COVID protocol or or doing something that might have got him or his wife or the team, uh, by extension, sick. Like, I'm not going to name names, but if you have a radio show... No, (laughs) don't do that.
0: No, no, no. It's not... It's not worth it. Like, look, it's what if you have information? Like, okay, whether or not if you have, okay, first of all, if you actually had information and you're media and you're a media person, uh, you would be telling, you would actually put it out there. You don't just go, oh, I know, I know yeah, things, yeah. I've heard things. You don't do that because that's not doing your damn job. It is, it is That's so scummy. scummy. And it's more or less just, <laughs> oh, you actually have nothing. You're just you pretending just you
1: have... You want attention for the fact that you have... You know what it is? Yeah. It's, um... It... You know when Michael Scott... I don't know if you're an Office watcher.
0: I've watched the... I've been oh, to the okay. Office. I've seen it all.
1: Okay, so in the Office when he finds out that, um... Jim likes Pam and he goes around the Office and he basically, like, can't help but want to talk about this secret that he, that Jim doesn't want talked about. It's like that where some guy is so happy that he knows something he probably shouldn't know. And he just desperately wants to let everyone know that he knows it. That's what this comes off as. And so if you are listening to this and you see anyone doing this kind of shit, block them, mute them
0: or just, yeah, just ignore them. They don't, they're just ignore
1: them. Don't encourage that kind of behavior. Creecast no. is we we're I'm not we're not like fans of Godet either like that I saw that too where some people are like oh like people are just like defending Godet because he plays Warzone and they like his wife for going on the broadcast or whatever and it's like that shouldn't matter like if this was Jordy no. Ben and people said this kind of crap I'd be like no like don't this is like a basic human is, thing I would never want anyone know, we, to be speculating that they did something. Against you know the who rules. we harp on a
0: lot is Jake Furtanen. and yeah. if this happened to Jake Furtanen, it's the same deal. Like it's yeah. the same thing of no, who cares? It doesn't matter at the end yeah. of the day. Leave them alone. Let them do their let them do let them do their job. It's very easy to catch COVID. I mean, no better example of that is than the fact that Travis Boyd literally got over a week of quarantine, had mm-hmm. what one practice or yeah. maybe two with the yep. Canucks obviously wasn't communi- talking to them outside, or having any sort of contact with them outside, and still got COVID. Like, yeah. that's how that's easy way it is it to get it. That's how easy it is to get COVID. So if you're going to yeah. go out and blame players for getting sick, that's not okay. Now, yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Cody, um, mm-hmm. but I did go off on a little bit of a... Um, on a little bit of a, ta- I guess, a tangent on Twitter. I've noticed I'm doing that more, and I don't like it. I've got to stop doing. Tangents that.
1: are good. I'm a big tangent guy.
0: I am not a tangent guy, and I can tell I'm not. I don't do it well, so I don't. I stick away from it. But basically, um, the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way about this whole situation, mm. more or less. Uh, well, from a from a hockey standpoint, I should say, was that was Jim Benning on Friday, more or less unprompted, was like, oh, we're not going to trade anybody. Or like, basically was like, we're not going to do anything because, you know, this is such a tough time for people yeah. and everything. We and, care about the human know, element. <laughs> yeah, we care about the human element, like that stuff, right? right. And, on, and on one hand, like, I'm not going to fault a guy for being uh, for that sort of thing, but it's also, like, um, I think it was, I think it was, uh, Julia Random on Twitter, I think is her, I think is her username. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was very quick on the, uh, hey, um, I call BS on this because, I mean, when, you didn't even call, uh, Kristanov to let him know, you basically left Chris Tanev to the very yeah. end. Why are you all of a sudden Mr. Loyalty, right? Um, and I was like, that's, and, uh, and basically, Kristianov wouldn't even return Jim Benning's calls, I believe, because of mm-hmm. he, they just left him completely in the dark on anything that was going on uh, till the bitter end when they decided they were going to circle back to him, right? So yeah. it is kind of like, okay, you're suddenly the the loyalty guy. Okay, like, sure, Put I don't think that's the necessarily the best thing business-wise, but you know what? Sure, put your money where your mouth is. Don't move anybody. Don't move any of your players off the roster if you're going to make that kind of a claim, right? So for him to go and do it to the first player who got sick, maybe I'm wrong here, but that like that felt shitty to me. Like that was it, very much, and I would put Jordy Ben in the same camp too, frankly. Um, uh, in yeah. the sense of like, if you're gonna come out and say that I I care about like you know my players, I care about um, you know, not making this any hard this time any harder on them sort of thing, and then you go out and trade two guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that to me is like okay. That so you were just full of it. Like it didn't yeah. actually you didn't actually. You're care. just playing you were PR just, basically. It it very much screamed to me at the time that oh he's just making an excuse for if he doesn't get anything done. Like if no trades happen,
1: that right. he's
0: gonna use the All pandemic as the reason why. Yeah, and because it didn't, I don't think it came up in the in the press conference after after the deadline. I don't think the that came up. I think well. Actually, okay. I take that back. It did come up briefly. It did come up with Brandon Brandon Sutter. Well, or at least we believe it was Brandon Sutter when he said one player wasn't going to. I asked if he was willing to move. He said no because of family. We we presume that's Brandon Sutter. I believe he has a pregnant wife right now, Um, and um, you know he doesn't want to move during COVID. He was very sick.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: This is this is it, but uh it it did, it that rubbed me the wrong way. I was not cool with that. I didn't like this idea that they came out and basically was trying to kind of play like really give Jim Benning was it felt like he was trying to give himself a bit of a hero's angle um <laughs> and look at like I'm look how brave I am sort of thing and I didn't like I really didn't like that. It was, it was, really, a bu- it was no like that bothered me a, a lot. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's completely off base for me to say. Well- but I—that's how I felt and, at the time, and I and whether or not this trade was going to happen, it seemed, I guess, like it was eventuality, regardless of what happened here. Um, just some of the stuff that's come out. Like again, one of the yeah. th- other things we definitely know right now is I believe is that um, apparently the team did not uh, appreciate Michaela Gaudet tweeting about her symptoms, I which is that.
1: so stupid. Like who which cares? Is
0: very well, well. That's totally not okay. Like, that's she, she is not part of whether or not, yes, she is the wife of one of your players, but, yeah, but she should she's not, not factor in. She is
1: yeah.
0: not one of your, she's not part of the team. And even if, even if it was Adam himself tweeting about it, why? Why yeah. is that, why is that not okay? Why, or if it was Petey or Bo. If it was yeah. any other player, why would it matter if they tweeted about, the, or they were letting pe- informing people about their symptoms? Why would that have any sort of impact?
1: It kind and, of, it's kind of yeah. bizarre because it's like, you have all these instances where players tweet out, like, support of, like, causes, like, you know, Brock Besser is very vocal about, like, support for Parkinson's and stuff like that with his dad. And, like, to say, like, or not publicly say, they obviously didn't say this through back channels and stuff like that, but to imply that ad like Adam Goddard's wife, Michaela isn't entitled to voice like the harsh realities and truth of a global pandemic disease that affects literally everybody that it hit them hard. Like why, why would you try and quell or silence like the harsh reality that this disease fucking sucks and it can kill people. Like it's there's obviously I would love to get like the broadcast opinion on this because it seems like some kind of subtle misogyny where hockey teams expect the wives and girlfriends of their players to just be dead silent, be pretty faces who don't actually interact with the public, but they keep their players happy. That's the vibe I kind of get because they're, I mean, obviously if, basically just saying, hey, my husband feels shitty and so do I, but we're trying to, like, stay stay well. That's a problem for the team? Like, that, I that don't seems even think so it's, gross to me.
0: I don't even think it's just the fact... I, I don't even... Honestly, I don't think it even is the the fact that it's the... there's It's necessarily the sexist angle so much as it is, like, it, I would imagine they would be just as mad about it if it was a player. Like, I think they expect the players to not let and their and their wives not let anything out of any sort of like news mm. out of the out of the locker room or out of the arena sort of thing. Right. So, I don't think they liked I don't think they liked any sort of information about what's going on with the team being made public by somebody without their consent sort of thing. I don't think I don't think in this particular case it mattered about who it what about it being a wife rather than a player? I think they would have been just as annoyed. I think they would have been just as upset about it. And it I It is think very funny
1: this... that I'm just realizing that we're having this topic about possible misogyny and you're wearing an ice the misogyny shirt. <laughs> it's my
0: favorite, it's my favorite sweater. Can I just yeah. say it's my favorite? It's a, good sweater. Sweater. It's it's a just, good sweater. It's just
1: very funny given the current present topic of conversation because oh my god, oh dear, I mean. There, because I, I I've just, seen it I, on Twitter too, where a lot of people point out like, oh, during the broadcast live stream on International Women's Day, Michaela Godette pointed out how the NHL basically tried to make her like, like a fucking stay-at-home like wife and just not go outside at all, and to order in her groceries, order in everything, don't go outside, and she was like, like I need to get groceries, so like I said, fuck that, which is like completely fair like i i have to go get groceries so like if yeah. someone told me hey don't get groceries i'd be like well, f- well fuck you <laughs> like i still need to live my life and you, like i didn't come to vancouver to sit in an apartment in downtown vancouver for four months mm-hmm. while my husband fucks off for weeks at a time to go play hockey games you know what i mean like yeah. that's what that's where my whole is this just like the nhl's like apparent misogyny where they just expect their the wives and girlfriends of their players to zip their lip and not say anything that that brings be, that, press that towards the see. team. That, that's, 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 the see of, the, that's the kind of stuff that's the kind of angle case, I'm yeah. pushing for but anyway we don't want to go too long like, about uh, got it and right the issues and
0: because I, I what well, and the reason the reason I kind of pulled it back uh, necessarily from the who it is nece- is because I feel like this has happened with the Canucks before. Like in the betting era, not obviously not with COVID, but there have been like I feel like there have been cases of players where they like it's not that they let something out; it's that they're or they they do something that the team doesn't like or the team is just like um, not happy about. Specifically, I feel like video games have come up before, like video like the Warzone like, streams was something that came up with Godet. I feel like I, I'm to... trying to. Re- i'm trying to remember who it was but that's come up before what well, was with michael Belzato well.
1: and bo horvat that's, back in like 2015 16 or whatever right. and they're like we're banning video games on the road because i don't know I they wanted to to they people wanted people players or. to do more out or like events outside with each other and then which is
0: ironic now because bo horvat and brandon Sutter and jay beagle famously play mario which is (laughs) which is
1: yeah i mean fuck we can get into that like in another episode but it that always seemed like so hypocritical to me to be like you ban like they ban players from bringing their nintendo switches and their uh their ps4s or whatever on the road but then like the literal next video that they did with bull Horvat, it's him talking about how he plays that, n64 on the plane it's like what that's
0: that's that's come out that's been a while i think they i think the older as the older players left uh those policies changed which is good um, still so we think
1: but now this policy so we, with adam gaudet and people apparently having issues with his public persona or whatever like where you kind of go okay maybe him streaming Warzone is apparently a big issue in this organization. Who's had issues with online gaming before? So I mean, maybe it's and it's sus as you say in a game of Among Us. Yes, love that
0: game. Um, and it, I will, I will say this: that I think the the reason this is this trade has hit people like some people in the market and some fans like particularly tough. And we'll get into the hockey part of aspect of it in a second again because I feel like we've kind of we've kind of glossed over that frankly mm-hmm. is that he was a likable guy like in terms of the like the the fan base and everything because he actually did interact with fans and yes. media people I mean like I think Faber posted the Twitter posted on Twitter like the the like the video of him making a joke with on a having mm-hmm. a joke with uh with Adam about. Uh, about Warzone and everything, right? Yeah, and he,
1: and he referred to him by his nickname, which is like very yeah. cute, and that's like that's like and fine. You where it's like then you don't get like, that, you that should, often. You should have that. You should have players willing to be themselves in public and not just like the Beau Horvats of the world who are just like, oh, you know, we got to do what, what we can do for the team. You know, got to put pucks in deep. You know, I just got to keep trying out there. Like like that boring control. C and control V like same shit boring old hockey man answers like I Especially want because
0: we're getting into that era where that is so key is being your interact being able to interact with your fans and being able to and being able to showcase your players on other levels outside your athletes outside of just the the sport that they play is so important and like the NBA yeah. does that That's what really we criticize well.
1: the NHL for being bad at is never pr- promoting athletes properly and. Right you know, they try to this take a stance of like, Oh, you know, we try it, we We are on it. We're on Twitter and we promote like guys and videos. And they're doing a better
0: like, job. They're doing right, better the than same they used time, to, but it's baby steps.
1: Still. But at the same time, then you have instances like what we're hearing from Elliot Friedman, where the NHL got wind of the behind the scenes implications that maybe someone wasn't following p- protocol and, basically got pissed off that Michaela got was tweeting publicly that her, her player boyfriend was sick. And it's like, mm-hmm. so what do you want? Do you want players to be themselves so that you can advertise them? Or do you want a cookie cutter shape that you can just like put into random video where a player talks about his favorite celly? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they obviously have an idea of what they want to promote and it sucks when a player like Godet, who's like, I mean, sure. Like if, if he wasn't gelling with the, with the locker room anymore, then like, yeah, he, his time was okay. going to be up eventually. So who cares? Like I'm sure. fine with it. But sure. obviously like our issues come from the fact that it seems like they sold low. They probably could have sold way higher on him. Like yes. wherever Godet goes, if he sticks in the NHL, like I'll probably still like look for his highlights because his sellies are fucking rad and right. he plays warzone and is completely public about the fact that he like likes to game. Like that's cool. Yeah. That makes him Amazing. personable, which is what you need from a guy who gets paid a million dollars in a sport that is exclusively dominated by, you know, rich white athletes from rich white backgrounds, right? So it's, it's
0: going to be a big deal if If, uh, specifically, uh, Elias Pettersson keeps kind of going on the track that he is, where he's been, he's getting relatively... Is he um, going to now, though? Because
1: we had the whole hot, hot, hot summer where he's, uh, you know, take, like, hiring photographers, hiring, like, branding people to take pictures of him just doing shit downtown, taking videos of him doing shit downtown, like, and then he has a rough start to his season and then all of these whack ass reporters and fans on Facebook and Twitter start saying he sucks because he spent so much time on Instagram and just like living his life. So it's like, what do people want? Do you want Anderson to have a personality or are you going to throw it in his face when he finally shows it? Same thing with Godet; He showed personality and then the second you have a reason to not like him. You throw it back on him, and probably sit there, probably saying, "Oh, spend too much time on zone. That's why right. he's like. You got to pick a lane, and that's right. that's what we can tie it back to with the whole trade deadline for the Canucks in general is like, what lane are you choosing?
0: Yes, and with the Godette trade itself, um, here was the here there was one thing that really stuck out with me, not just in the fact that it's that they sold. Really low on Gaudet because of just the bad luck he had been having this season. Um, it's the fact that in the when they asked it when they were talking to Jim Benning about it in the uh, interview afterwards again because Jim Benning, oh, PR is not his strong suit. He literally like they asked him about why they traded him like cha- he said the change of scenery thing. Okay, that's common. That's like a, that's a, that's that's run of the mill for most GMs. But mm-hmm. then he also was like, we expected him to take a bigger step this year, and that didn't happen. He was all right, I believe was the quote or something, right? He was all right. Yeah. Basically, it's the very much the, uh, the Jim Benning special of um, stabbing the guy on the back on the way out. Um, <laughs> and, like, because he's done it before. And here's the thing that really, like, when I heard that, I immediately was like, I am pretty darn sure that this is the stuff he says in the uh in the in the trade talks right because imagine you say that imagine you're the gm of the team you're stan bowman gm of the blackhawks imagine you hear jim benning say that in the press conference after and this is something that is news to you right you'd immediately be calling him like hey what the hell did you just sell me damaged goods right yeah So, which means to me, maybe I'm again. I don't have as much intel on what goes on behind the scenes and what players, GMs talk about and stuff. But uh, it sure sounds to me like that's something that he would have said in the trade talks. Which means, which also means that hey, is Jim Benning essentially talking himself out of better returns by giving up? By being completely honest, I mean. Way he too much be. to the to the teams he's dealing with
1: because, because yeah like when you look at the the stats and stuff of Matthew Highmore and just like his career direct trajectory he's older he has less points and like in his quotes today with the media he's like man I sure hope to find my goal scoring touch in the NHL it's like buddy it's been oh like oh four, four years man it's not happening but well, like I, you're totally right because there's time because there's like, time. Jim has a tendency to kick dirt on the graves of people as they walk out. It happens with everyone in management. It happens with former players. Anything to save the image of his management group from looking like fucking idiots, which 99.9% of the time the moves that they make or the reasons these players get moved out is because they're fucking idiots. Like, (laughs) bottom line, that's what it is. And this, like you said, like earlier was the whole... Uh, we know we're not trading anyone because of family reasons. That's all PR because he's saving himself again from the idea of looking like an idiot. And then he traded Gaudette and in the fucking press call where he had a chance to explain why they moved on from him, he spent the entire press call giving a bunch of reasons and kicking dirt on Adam Gaudette's fucking character so that they wouldn't look like fucking idiots. He said, it. you know, was asking for more ice time. We were expecting more from him and he didn't do bring much this year. Like just completely shitting on the kid on his way out. And it's like, Buddy, he did this you... with
0: Jake VerTannen too. Like, I, cause in the offseason, he did it with Jake VerTannen, where he was but like, but he didn't
1: sell on Jake. He kept him.
0: We, he, but that's the but, but that's the thing. He might have talked himself out of trading Jake VerTannen because maybe. he had gone public and been like, he wasn't good enough this year. We expect more out of him. Went in like the end of the season interviews and or like interview at the end of the year last last season, right? Like he does this all the time, where he publicly is way too honest about a player. Uh, and almost <laughs> yeah. certainly tanks their value more by talking about it.
1: Yeah, like, just just look at Sven Berchi. Like, Sven Berchi uh, gets demoted to the AHL. He doesn't really know why. The Jim Bending doesn't really offer any reasons to why he was being sent down, just saying that he isn't, like, a fit. And then, <laughs> like, months later, he basically publicly says, I tried to trade him, but nobody wants him. And then he throws them on, like, unconditional waivers so everyone can take him. So then the whole league knows nobody's a buyer. So they're not going to take any package involving Sven. Like, uh, yeah. all you can do is just have you it, sigh and be like, it's just... This it's more of the same rinse and repeat where where it's like nothing, you haven't learned anything. The Tanner Pearson deal, right? That was like, that was, nothing has been learned. We're still signing guys that are projected to be in the bottom six in the next couple of years who are going to be 30 something to multi-year, multi-multi-million dollar contract extensions. And then this trade deadline was more of the same too. Instead of selling high on a player like Gaudette last year, they sold low on him at the trade deadline. And what did they get back? A reclamation project, a a guy, far too often, a guy that he admitted or that they admitted, Jim Benning had seen in junior or liked in junior four years ago, and we're still holding out hope that he would be something. And it's like, okay, at some point you have to move on.
0: I, I will, I will defend, I will defend slightly by saying that look. Reclamation projects can pay off. He's um, can pay, can pay off in the right situations. I mean, he is how old? He's twenty five. So he's older, but he's not. he's not past the point of no return or anything. He oh can yeah, he is potentially. <laughs> oh, okay, he, he's look,
1: absolutely be... at the age where, like, if he <sighs> hasn't figured it out now, like, look at J. for Tannen. You know what I mean? Like, he's a year younger and he hasn't figured it out. And the chances of him just, like, being, like, the guy are very slim. Matthew right, Highmore but- can barely stick in an NHL lineup. And even though he's on the, wor- like, the worst team in the league last year, right, but- he still right, did nothing.
0: But what have I said before? Like, the di- the right franchise and the right fit might not always be the right team. You can find success I mean, on teams with other groups potentially just because they're a better fit for you than the last team was. Especially like, with the Canucks,
1: where there's so many gaping holes in their lineup, where Matthew Highmore probably slots into the middle six, off of an injury to Tanner Pearson, because that's right. how fucking like shallow they are.
0: Right. That could. It very well could happen that just because of the way the Canucks are structured or the way that they're coached that he could end up becoming better that he could end up developing into a decent bottom bottom six guy that is entirely possible but the fact is they could they should have been able to based on what Adam Godet has in his track record mm-hmm. as in his like on his resume they should have been able to get more had they yeah. had, had they waited to trade him at a better time when his points have picked up a little bit like in the off season yeah. had they you know, traded him last during last off season when his stock was arguably at its, it's highest. Peak. It's
1: peak. It's peaking at 11 me basically. Yeah.
0: Right. This is the kind of thing that drives us bananas. Is that it? Very much seems like this team can't get out of its own way. When it comes to trying to actually sell players at the right time, because they, when it is the right time to sell on a player, yeah. like whether or not you want Godet was going to be here long term, if trading him was the plan, mm-hmm. um, they basically go like they'll see him at their peak and they'll go, oh well, now we're going to keep him because he's good. But then when they're bad, it's like, okay, now we're going to trade them because they're bad. Like it's very that's much the, a, it's too reactionary. It's that's too, the day to day. We mentality. have no plan. Right, we have no plan. That's yeah. really what you're saying: is you have yeah. zero plan. That's the what the straight deadline was. Still... Was
1: just more confirmation, as if we hadn't already gotten endless amounts of confirmation that the day-to-day plan is what they've been doing and toiling with for the last seven I years, mean, and that's why God, the team sucks.
0: I mean, for God's sakes, Matthew, Matthew, uh, Matthew Highmore—they uh, talked about as he's a he's a center, and this is like this is why we're bringing him <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, that thing. was how many face off uh, how many face offs has he taken? Uh, at the NHL level, I believe the answer without, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I do believe it's seven. He's uh, taken,
1: or less, four, four, he's taken yeah. less over his full career than Brock Besser has taken this season. Like
0: That tells he's you everything center. you need and to they, know. Brock like, Messer has never played center in his entire major career. He has never done water. it. Maybe in minor hockey as an eight-year-old he did, but he hasn't since, like, before college. He's a he's a winger. And yet the Canucks are bringing a guy in uh, to play center who has only taken seven NHL face-offs.
1: Which, which, which blows my mind because it's like, is that literally what Bowman said to him? He, did Bowman maybe. call him up and was like hey uh your godet kid isn't that good got this kid here he can play center that's probably all that that happened is they said he can play center and that was all they heard we're like okay <laughs> and maybe man, maybe i mean it's it's, hard to, I mean, it's, it's hard another to parse one of those how they thought this value was like this like equi- like equitable you know what i mean like it just doesn't Really check out. It doesn't check all the like the boxes appropriately.
0: Yeah, I've used the comparable before,
1: uh, but
0: it it's it feels like this could be a, an Erica Branson situation where they bring in a guy to do one role to do a specific <laughs> role that they are not built to do, that they're not what that and that they're not comfortable necessarily doing, but they will refuse to let it go. They just refuse to let it to let it die, or at the very least put the player in the situation that's more that's more proper for them and there's already the dis- and one of the other things the nuggets that we don't even have necessarily time to go into today is that jim benning again unprompted brought up nikita trampkin as a possibility for another as another defenseman as a defensive signing which that is again so remember fucking
1: baffling that we yeah. are we are in year seven <laughs> in of this, this economy, organization, and he is Cha- like talking about fucking Nikita Trampkin as like the solution to their problems like oh dear i don't like, like, let's let's not get into it because it'll Yeah we don't have time other I, than we, the <laughs>
0: fact that Nikita famously the Canucks wanted Nikita Trampkin to play like zanano Chara because he was tall and that's what he and then
1: they, did. he was big they showed him a, a highlight package of uh Chris Pronger I think it well, was. Well, well known.
0: Yeah. Which is not what Nikita. Fun fact that's not the style of play Nikita Trampkin plays. But they were going to basically try and completely change his entire game to fit what they wanted, even though that's not how it works. That's not how people work. Yeah. That's not how people work. And I can see this possibly becoming the case for Matthew Hymer. But I hold up hope that it turns out better for him because I don't want him to. I don't want to see Matthew Highmore fail, obviously. He, well, the, yeah, the I mean, especially when...
1: when you give up Godet to a team like the Blackhawks, where Godet does probably stand a good chance of playing top six as a winger with, like, fucking Patrick Kane. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, no.
0: I didn't even think about that aspect. I don't want
1: to think about that aspect.
0: Um, but if we want to look at one of the bright sides of this trade, at the very least, Matthew Highmore does have term. One more year at 725 k that's yeah. equitable. Be- that's, that's cheap, depth, good. They need more of that. That is important. That yeah. is an important thing that can't be overlooked. If you were going to put a grade on this trade, where would you put it?
1: Pfft, it's a D, man. It, it's, yeah. all, all I can see is Full stop the fact D. that, like, oh, look at that. Yeah. If, you in, know- if,
0: in case, if you're not using the YouTube video, the YouTube feed, uh, we recently upgraded to an actual podcast uh, platform for doing yes. this now. And uh, we now have a. Uh, like overlays got, and stuff. We got, and got overlays and
1: stuff. And, and uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're actually trying really hard now, so that's actually pretty cool. As if we weren't trying yeah, before. As if we anyways. weren't
0: trying hard before. Yeah. Get out Speaking of,
1: here. <laughs> of not trying hard, uh in addition to trading uh, Adam Gaudet to the Blackhawks and getting Matthew Highmore, they also made another trade with the Blackhawks, and that was for... Uh, Madison, Madison Bowie, ba- and Madison a 20- Bowie? Yeah. 21 fifth round draft pick. I thought yes. this was actually, I mean, the player's negligible. Tidy. Like, he's, like, really just fallen off. He's played, like, seven games or something in the last, was, like, two seasons or something. Be, he was supposed it's to be a big great.
0: deal because he played on the Kelowna Rockets uh, during, their, uh, during like, their really great era of, like, dominance in the WHL. They made it to, I believe, the Memorial Cup final. <laughs> Uh, I believe actually against Michael uh, Mikey DiPietro Pietro the Windsor Spitfire uh, was one of the teams they played uh when they got there in uh I believe that's uh 20 I want to say 2015 uh, 15 or I believe that's yeah 2015 I believe is the year they made it there had 19 points in 19 playoff games not a bad run that's um, right. and four four points in seven uh in seven games at the under 20 in the World Juniors cuz he was a World Juniors guy as well uh but it just hadn't it hasn't translated over for... Well, you say that, but we actually haven't had that many World Juniors guys. No, out, I mean like in from the sense At that, least Canadians. like. Canadian I mean that
1: World in the Juniors. sense that Jim Benning always puts a premium on players' World Juniors performance. So I could very well see him hearing Madison Bowie's also on the table. Also, okay, so... Mm-hmm.
0: And puts a premium if you're, on W.H.L., you're also looking- guys.
1: If you're also looking at this Chicago Blackhawks trade in totality, it is Adam Gaudet and a fourth-round pick for Madison Bowie, Matthew Highmore, and a sixth-round pick. Um, The interesting thing for me is that a lot of teams were trading for 2022 draft picks because there's more certainty that you'll have – more to evaluate off of whereas the Canucks placed a premium or not a premium but they prioritized getting picks for this year's draft which means they obviously know something that other teams don't because yeah like I think every single trade I saw was like 2022 second round pick 2022 third round pick like nobody in the NHL has really any confidence that they know who's who's good and who's not for this, uh, upcoming draft. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah,
0: I, and the whole point of this draft basically, because of how little they have, everybody has to go off of, it's very much just a, okay, how many picks can you pick up? How, how many more, uh, lottery tickets can you have in your back pocket? Because you could very much get guys in the fourth or third round that in a prop, in a proper year would have gone in the first it's yeah. that is entirely in the realm of possibility for everyone. There is a whole. It is very much going to be a free for all. So really, all you need, all you want here is just as many tickets as possible in in there. And the Canucks did do that to a degree. They didn't get a. <laughs> they didn't get a lot. They got one extra pick.
1: I. But that's I still loved, one.
0: That's still one they didn't have before.
1: I love that Jim Benning in his press conference gloated about how he had he got one extra pick. For this year's draft, and, yeah, and was we'll like get to that was basically wow. gloating about how he got one extra pick, and completely ignored the fact that he gave up a pick for next year in a draft that you probably want to have a third round pick. But did he give
0: up the the third round? Sorry, he gave up a third round pick. Uh, oh, is that in that? That's a separate. No, deal. That, that that's that from
1: a that's from like a, a separate deal last year, I believe. I think that's right, actually that the Tyler a, Toffoli the, trade. The time. Okay, sure. we're not going to get into
0: that because that will make me sad. Um, but. Uh, Madison Bowie does have, uh, Madison Bowie does have, like, there is, there is an, or a sense of, you know, it could work in the right spot here, but it hasn't worked for him on three teams before, and he does have a Stanley Cup, which, uh, He's... with a, a, cap, a, a capital Stanley Cup championship ring, which Jim Benning does put a premium on, obviously, with Nate Schmidt, or not Nate Schmidt, yeah. actually. Sorry, he was gone. Uh, he was a knight at that point. Uh, Holtby and oh, with Beagle. Holtby
1: and Beagle, yeah. But but now he Getty... has, but has
0: played with Schmidt before.
1: Yeah, like, realistically, though, like, the or comment... There's not the Comets, jeez, my brain. Uh, the Canucks it's right late. side is pretty loaded in the mm-hmm. sense that you have Myers, you have Schmidt on that right side as well. Um, maybe he slots in on a third pair. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's a big ass, but like Whoa. Ammonick's there. Like you're just not going to – like he's well, pretty much just like a body at this point. Like he'll probably spend the entire season on the taxi squad is my guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll he'll be in, a seventh fee, but anyway.
0: We, we get won't get spend too much in time the... on
1: Bowie because there isn't Whoa. much to say just because there's such a small sample size from the last two seasons where he hasn't really played like all that much. Yeah, this or at is, least with, at least with the Blackhawks this year. Yeah, he's yeah, he's only played, played
0: four games. He uh, because of Taxi Squad waivers and uh, other aspects, he just hasn't gotten to a lot of games. The one thing that the Canucks do get out of getting uh, picking up Madison Bowie because he has term, uh, I believe he has, I believe he has one more year after this, if I'm unless I'm mistaken. He has, yeah, he does. Um, he has one more year after this. Okay, so what they do get out of this essentially is they have an extra defenseman who they can leave exposed. At the expansion draft, uh, the Seattle expansion draft, which does leave them with some flexibility on what they do defensively. I was not necessarily loving this trade until I believe it was Drancer was really making a big push on the flex and uh, Harmon as well. It's
1: the expansion draft fle- flexibility the, that makes it a big deal. Which, yes. And that is sure.
0: important. That is very important because here's the thing you're, and we're going to get into some of the trades, other trades that happened today in a, in a bit. Um, but, um, one of the things that the Canucks do potentially have the opportunity to do to deal with here is the fact that they don't have a lot of guys uh, who are necessarily worth it putting worth protecting at the expansion draft. and I have the the team here. I have the that's kind here. of what
1: makes this move actually baffling is because you're picking up a defenseman so you can protect who like Tyler that's, myers that's is that really the that, move here? like so, that is.
0: That's More the one that was brought up that, yes, made everybody just shudder to their core. And as besides the fact that it's, again, seven years of Jim Benning, they still don't have enough players worth protecting at a damn expansion draft, is a two failure expan- on its own.
1: Two expansion but... drafts in the guy's tenure, and he's had no one worth protecting. That is fucking insane. Yes,
0: but, but here's the key here, is that they can go to teams that have too many players, too, too, that, that then are then they can protect, who don't want to lose them to Seattle for nothing, and they can go, hey, we'll take this guy, we have an extra space to take this player, How we'll give you so-and-so to make it happen, sort of thing, right? We'll give you this and this too, and then we'll protect them. Uh, because people, it's not so much about that, it's going to be a fleecing for the Canucks in every situation, more or less, because these teams just don't want to lose them to Seattle for nothing or get raked over the coals by the Kraken uh to let to protect that guy and have to give up somebody else and who they like who someone else they like uh as as a favor basically right so it is possible like i mean we've already saw one of those deals yesterday i believe the ducks got hayden flurry from the hurricanes mm-hmm. um because they just don't they have so many good defensemen they just couldn't protect him and they didn't want to lose hayden flurry must be Fleury. nice yeah to the Ducks and to to for nothing to the Kraken so the Ducks got him and that's kind of in the same it's it's basically the same sort of uh deal making and uh that landed the Canucks Nate Schmidt from the Knights when they landed Patru- when they were signing Petrangelo basically they just didn't have the cap space so the Canucks pounced on that same yeah. thing with JT Miller and the Lightning uh to a certain degree again different sort of circumstance with cap stuff but the Canucks are in a in a scenario, in a situation where they could very easily get out of some bad possibly get out of some bad contracts or get some or pay some cheap draft picks for a player who's much better than that much more much more just because uh the team doesn't want to lose them for absolutely nothing. And that's I, possible. That is a I, good thing to do here.
1: They're not going to do that. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> uh,
0: I uh, what look, team are we you have, We're 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 media. We have to hold out hope here. We have to we have to put out, out the good vibes when we can. Because again, this is not a tiny... wearing the
1: shirt, so I
0: can't. You're not wearing the shirt, I can't but buy I'm I'm buy the wearing the positivity there. hat metaphorically, and I'm gonna say that I believe that they can put it together. There's
1: no fucking way.
0: Oh man, but I I I and I think the Bowie trade or trade uh could end up being a much a much better trade in time. Right now, I would say it's more of like, it's a C, it's a B, maybe a B, because they uh, you know, it it helps every little bit helps of depth, and that's something cheap depth helps. We've been harping on them to get more of it. That's good. Um, Um, I will
1: I vote it a D minus because all it does is imply to me that they're actually going to fucking protect Tyler Myers at the expansion draft and that's unacceptable to me so that's a D minus for me.
0: Um, well, well, we shall see. We've got some time before then. And then the last Canucks trade of the day we got to get into, and this is the one that I think uh, there isn't much you to say I would... about
1: this guy. Like... Yeah,
0: Jordy Ben traded to Winnipeg for a 2021 sixth-round pick. Honestly, yep. tidy Ooh. trade. A. Yep. I'd give this an A. Right. Like, here's the thing. Like, Jordy Ben, I think, ended up becoming... Jordy Ben is one of the players that they actually sold kind of high on. Like, and high, I mean, that's a little bit—that sounds a little yeah. bit better than it is. Hi. But but the thing with this is that um, at one point, you know, he was just the tax—he was based. he was in the scratch. He was a healthy scratch, wasn't playing that much. Uh, when he was getting into the lineup, there wasn't a good fit for him. And then they kind of found success for him playing alongside Quinn Hughes. And that really upped his value to the team and possibly to other buyers. And with Winnipeg, they were really looking for depth defensemen because they're definitely going to the playoffs and they just need bodies. They just need bodies. And Jordy Ben has NHL experience. He for a lot of NHL experience. He if there are injuries, he will be much better as depth as depth as compared to what they would have had from AHL guys, right? Yeah. And that and the Canucks get a sixth round pick out of it. Is it a blockbuster trade? No. It Absolutely. Is a perfectly
1: not. serviceable trade. That's yes. a, that's a B minus.
0: I'm giving it an A for the reason of this is, again, we say it all the time that Jim Benning doesn't do this enough and I want to encourage the behavior. So I'm going to give it an A just based on, hey, I want you to do this more. Make me give you a, A's on your, on your, on your trades more. Do this more often. So I don't have to be as, as a, uh, as glib about things all the time. Mm-hmm. So I will give it that, and you know Jordy Ben, yeah. loyal it's, foot soldier. It's fine. D- it was a tr- it was his contract. They did exactly what they had to. He was it was a two year contract. Not a lot of not a lot of um, like protections or trade protections. It was just meant to be a stopgap, and they moved him. That's exactly what those tr- those contracts are for. That's they Jordy Ben did his job, and he did it well for what he was here to do. And yeah you know he did uh, go and have fun now he's wearing number 40 in honor of Elias Petterson apparently that's uh that's what he said in the his opening press conference apparently that's today.
1: very very sweet of him what a that's... what a gentle giant with a gentle yes. beard yes uh,
0: and i believe that rounds us into the corner of um you know we'll go let's go into i guess the NHL trade. we're going to kind of rapid fire Through some of these because there were a lot of there were some interesting trades outside of the Canucks yesterday for what we thought was going to be extremely quiet there ended up being some pretty cool kind of just like ramped up
1: out of nowhere like like, I mean that's been the last couple of trade deadlines even pre-COVID where like all of a sudden from 11 o'clock until 12 noon it was just like rapid fire all of the trades being announced at once which is always kind of funny to me uh, yes. But yeah, like I mean this Anthony Mantha gets moved for we'll everything that, that the Capitals have.
0: Yes. Uh. so the Capitals yeah, the Capitals get Anthony Mantha, the Red Wings get uh Jakob Vrana, Richard Ponick, a first round pick in twenty twenty one, and a second round pick in twenty twenty two. Um holy, did they the Capitals just they're they're all in they're they're uh, very apparently. much going all in this is this is one of the things and I'll ask uh, let me ask you this question um whether like regardless of how the Canucks did this year I think it's so weird how many teams just went all in like have really just put their chips onto the table this year not necessarily yeah. because of, not necessarily because it's uh of the hockey but because of the fact of if you win this year, The actual benefits of winning a Stanley Cup this year that might come from selling, uh, from going all in, you're not going to get because you're not getting any ticket revenue. You're going to get a lot less merch, like championship merch revenue, like all that (laughs) stuff just because people don't have as much money to spend in a pandemic. Like, I think it's so strange how many teams just were like, nope, we got to go. This is the year. This is the window. Uh, and I guess, like, props to them on the sense of they went for it very clearly for hockey reasons and not for money reasons, which I guess, which is admirable in a, in a, in a sense. But yeah. the Capitals sold, really just sold all
1: they gave high it high to get it Anthony worked. Mantha.
0: And the I Red. Mean, w- Steve Iserman, holy cow, what a deadline for Steve Eiserman again.
1: <laughs> dude, he knows what he's doing, man. He, he really does. I loved his quote where he basically said, like in two years he's not gonna fit where we're at in our rebuild so it made sense to sell now like that's that's smart like that's straight up smart you wish you could see that kind of foresight and planning from this canucks team but obviously (laughs) that is a big ask after seven years but stevie Y knows what he's doing man he uh fuck i mean that's a that's a haul and a half that he got for a guy who he knew wasn't gonna matter in two years like that's and i believe it would have been a healthy
0: scratch a couple times this year he hadn't uh if i'm unless i'm mistaken
1: Uh, i'm pretty sure he was at the start of the season yeah and everyone was losing their mind
0: yeah um as far as a winner as a like uh I guess uh we'll say like short term winners and stuff here or short term and long term winners here. I mean obviously if the Caps win Capitals win the Cup like yes they won in the <laughs> short term. Yeah. But right now I mean this is the Red Wings made out like bandits. They get Vrana, who's struggled to get the ice time and the according to the the Capitals like they just uh you know the fit just wasn't there for him uh that uh-huh. they might want uh for, uh there um and it. He's definitely going to get his opportunities with the Red Wings for sure. They got out of a bad contract with Ponic, I believe, that just didn't work out for them. And the mm-hmm. Red Wings again get bodies, but the picks are where it matters. And the Red Wings are doing a great job at accumulating those picks, and they're doing they're doing some they're doing some fantastic uh, work on that front. So this is very much a in the long term, the Red Wings are going to come out on top on this one, right? I would say.
1: Yeah, no surprise.
0: All right, next trade. Uh, let's go into. We already kind of we'll go, we already kind of went in on this one just a little bit. Hayden Flurry to the Ducks uh, for the hur- and the Hurricanes getting uh, Yanni Haken, Hakan
1: Hakenpa. Hakenpa. Hakenpa, Thank you,
0: uh, and a sixth round pick in twenty twenty
1: two. Um a good trade. Tra- That's a good trade, for, trade for Anaheim. Yeah. yeah, And And for, for and for, for the C- Canes, really. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah.
0: Yeah, they don't get the the downside is they don't get flurry in the uh, the playoffs like they might have could use because they're a team that's they're a sneaky team that I think is going to go a good distance here. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, they were going to lose. They were almost certainly going to lose him to Seattle for nothing, and yeah. they get they get a prospect and a pick out of it. That's that's worth it. That's yeah. a that's a good trade for both people, for both teams here in the Ducks. Um, they need, they need prospects. They're, uh, they have not been doing well this year. This has been a very bad year for Anaheim. Um, yes. they do have Matt, uh, uh, who is it? Drysdale, uh, Jamie Drysdale. Jamie
1: Drysdale um, is in the system. And then, they um, coming in this year. That's, and Segris, they both,
0: yeah, both of them have played this year and looked decent in their NHL time. Uh, apparently they were trying to move around Getzlaff as well, which would have been crazy if that had happened. Um, <laughs> and, uh, all right, next trade, uh, Michael Raffle. To, uh, again capitals getting michael Roffel, a uh, fifth round pick for the flyers the flyers are in a bit of a weird spot where yes uh, they are <laughs> i believe Roffel is a ufa um but also the flyers are a team that has not done well that has not lived up to the expectations they set for themselves last year mm-hmm. um carter hart has been struggling but uh so has the defense in front of him um this is more or less just another one of those it's it's a it's a it's, it's a, a bit trade. of a trade up duty for both There's and not it's much the to capitals it going all in yep yeah. um here's one we'll definitely enjoy talking about for a brief moment is Eric branson acquired by the predators in exchange for brandon fortunato and for fortunato and a seventh round pick in 2023 uh the senators getting picks and a prospect for a guy who uh probably shouldn't uh who the predators here's the thing the the, the real question mark here is why are the predators buying why are the predators it whether or uh, not regardless of who it is, why are they buying it all? Like this that's a
1: terrible decision. It's bizarre in the sense that like uh they they historically have like history as good uh eyes for defensive talent. Yeah. So it's like what what do they see that everyone else in the last five years seemingly missed? Because I mean he has not been good in the slightest. So it's like I mean, judging by the
0: Yeah, judging by the pick they gave, which is a seventh-rounder in 2023. So I I don't think it's so much even that they necessarily believe like believe he's going to turn things around as much as they were just looking for depth, like playoff depth, which is good. still odd considering where they are in the standings and how they've done this year. I know uh, UC Saros has really picked up his game lately and has been playing really, really well. I believe they just kicked the lightning up and down the ice today, like seven to two, or yeah, eight they, to two. they destroyed him. Like they destroyed Tampa today, yeah, just stunning. So maybe we're wrong here, but I still think it's just that they uh, are making a bit of a when it comes to the long term, they're making a big mistake by not selling because I mean, they kept Matias Eckholm, uh, they kept Ryan Ellis, they kept all of their trade chips, they didn't move anybody. Uh, yeah. which I think is gonna come back to bite them for Ottawa hey keep you keep getting hey, uh, keep getting keep, them in keep, keep getting the you picks baby where you can. Yeah.
1: yeah uh but speaking of the uh, the lightning uh a trade that I liked of theirs they traded oh. um Frederick Clayson for um
0: Magnus uh, they, well, they or, sorry they what? traded
1: Magnus Krona sorry I like the trade for San Jose n- not uh, the lightning but the lightning yes. trade Magnus Crona who is a monstrous, monstrous goaltender. Um, I don't
0: know much about him. Tell me about him.
1: Uh, all I know is he's highly revered in some of the goalie circles because of the fact that he's a giant, and he's put up very good numbers in the NCAA, as I think he's only 20, maybe 8, 19 or something like that. Like he's, I think this is his second year, and he might have turned 20 this year, but the dude is just like a monster. And obviously the, the lightning are in a position where they have Vasilevsky signed for, you know, ages. So they're probably thinking before we get a good read on whether his game can translate to the AHL or the NHL, why don't we trade him for something we know we can get in place on? So it's, it's like a weird trade from them, but like at the same time, I kind of understand the thought process behind it, but like your boys the Sharks, the hometown heroes uh, might actually get themselves a fucking goaltender that can stop a goddamn puck for a change
0: yeah, the, go- the Sharks are in desperate need of goaltending uh, help not just in the like in the, their whole, the whole organization is, they have some they have some guys, like I believe uh, the guy coming that uh, could be something is uh, I want to say, I, I think his name is Zachary Emond. they drafted a couple years ago uh, he's supposed to be decent um, as yeah. well and Yosef uh, Coronas, who I covered uh, in the AHL, just made his uh, debut, his NHL debut uh, nice. last week. And um, yeah, shout out to him for getting there. I'm really, really, really happy for that guy. He worked, he was working really hard at the, the AHL level, and it's good to see him getting, that it paying his dues paying off. Um, but the yeah, the Martin Jones uh, has not worked out. Um, uh, I have the it's jersey sitting back there. Uh, but, uh, that's a trade that's, I mean, obviously that contract's not going anywhere for a long period of time, but they just needed develop. They definitely need the prospects. They don't have a lot of like a list prospects in the goaltending department. They have some like bets, some, some, Mm -hmm. some bets they've hedged that could do all right, but they're not surefire. And I guess if uh, Magnus krona is expected to be something that could be, that would be a huge boost for them. Uh, I yeah. will say the name is a little unfortunate this year. Uh, the, it looks a little like Corona. Uh, and I think a that's bit. a bit unfortunate. Um, honestly, let's just group all the Sharks trades in here. Cause you know what? The Sharks did very well. They got a fifth. They got involved in the, uh, Matthias Janmark trade with the Golden Knights. They, uh, Golden Knights, then they sent them a Nick. Uh, D. Simone, who had been uh, in the Barracuda, playing for the Barracuda for quite a while, uh, mm-hmm. they got involved with Chicago in a three in the three way deal with the Blackhawks and got a fifth round pick out of that trade, which honestly kind of actually again, blew my
1: mind because I didn't think the Sharks had any cap space to be making oh, moves don't. like this, but somehow yeah. they did. They got involved.
0: Yeah, they 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 did excellent job this year of just, well, they moved, so they moved out Devin Dubnik, which cleared up some room, they moved him to Colorado for depth, uh, to Colorado, because yeah. they needed goaltending depth, and we'll get, in, and I guess we'll get into that that as well, um, they did an excellent job of really just, um, they got Greg Patteron as well, out of that trade as well, um, they got involved in the Nick Felino trade with the Leafs, which mm-hmm. we'll get into more in a bit, but they, yeah, they got involved in a, they really had their hands in a lot of trades this, this, uh, this year, um, that really have worked out, um, that are, you know, cause this team needs draft picks. They're very much in a, in the middle of the, they don't have any major, uh, uh, prospects coming up through the pipeline right now because they've been so good for such a long time that they ended up trading a lot of those guys away. And their, their system has some guys who could do all right, but they don't have enough. They're, they're very much in rebuild mode. And so for them to go out and get involved in a couple of these trades that really had, um, you know, that there were small bits and pieces. They're just picking up a drop pick here and there. That's great. That's smart heads up thinking. And that mm. gets you a long way down the road. Um, they traded Auntie Suamela to the Leafs, uh, who was somebody that they had really high hopes for, so, uh, in exchange for Alexander Barabanov, uh, who I think was supposed to be doing all right for the Leafs at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is, the Sharks did very well. The Sharks did very well this year, and I, and, uh, we'll talk about them in the winner's circle when we get to the end here. Yeah. Um, speaking of defensemen going, defensemen, uh, and whatnot going to Toronto, uh, they needed they needed bodies because uh, they have they went all in. Uh, yep. They are very much one of the all in teams. Uh, they pick up Ben Hutton, our old buddy oh, yeah. Ben Hutton, which uh, brought up the resurfaced Barbie girl. Uh, always, a, video. always a favorite. Always. Like I a completely forgot about that trade or that video, and it's so oh, funny. I, I, busted I busted a gun.
1: my I busted a gun.
0: That was those are simpler times. Um, yeah. Again, Ducks getting a pick out of it. They move a guy that wasn't going to help them for the long-term future. The Leafs get the depth that they need. That's a good, yeah. that's a good move for both. A completely
1: fine trade. Who, it's If he's in fine. a sheltered role, he will be a very fine defenseman for them.
0: Yes. Um, let's, get into the big tra- let's get into some of the big trades here because we don't have time to get into all of them. Um, no. the, we've, already said, we've already mentioned the Leafs. There's two big trades that they were involved with this weekend. The first was... Uh, acquiring a three-way deal with the Jackets and the Sharks that got them Nick Foligno and Stefan Nosen in exchange uh, with a uh, first-round pick going to the Jackets for this year, a fourth-round pick in 2022, and the Sharks getting a fourth-round pick in 2021. Nick Foligno was an interesting choice. Uh, some people we know who we, like, whose opinions we trust say that he's a pretty good fit. For them, uh, yeah. in terms of what his style of play is, it's a bit more hard, hard nosed. Um, is still a playmaker, but has not picked up a lot of points this year. Um, I don't know. I don't. Lo- I don't love this. I think they bought real high for a guy who has not, who is on a the on the who's getting a lot older.
1: It's the same thing as like, like we were saying. Like a lot of teams are in their win win now mode, right? So. The Leafs think that they need like a, a guy who's like a really elite defensive forward who can chip in offense here and there. He'll probably be a good fit with their team just cuz the Leafs they're really fucking good. Um obviously pretty heavy overpay. Yes. <laughs> but if you're if you're Kyle Dubas, you need to prove that your team can break out of like the first round and if Felino's the type of guy, like I mean if a lot of people were comparing like, oh, this is kind of like what Tanner Pearson could have could have been if Nick Felino's going for this. It's like, well unfortunately, yeah. Nick yeah. Nick Felino's actually having a better product productive season this year and has like like a better history of not being like, you know, like as streaky as uh Tanner Pearson has. Um yeah. and he's not on a, an extended deal. So, yeah. So Total they, rental. Yeah. Like, I mean if it pays off, it pays off. If not, whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh the other rental well, actually I don't know if this is a rental specifically, but the other guy they picked up for goaltending depth, uh, was David Riddick from the Flames, which is kind yeah. of a trade that just Bit came of out one. of nowhere. Um, I mean, it makes sense for both sides, really. I mean, the Leafs have very much gone into the uh I don't if anyone ha- if if uh, Sportsnet and T S N haven't been Uh, beating you over the head with it enough. Jack Campbell is on an 11-game unbeaten streak. Or, uh, did that end tonight? I don't... Did they lose Uh, lose to Calgary? They 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 did lose to Calgary. They they played played David Riddick,
1: though.
0: That's right. They did play David Riddick. Okay. That's the thing I'm forgetting. Right. Okay. But anyway, Jack Campbell's on an 11-game winning streak that people are really getting excited about on the national networks. Um, mm-hmm. a little too excited as much as I do think, uh, as much as I do like Jack Campbell, he seems like a very nice guy, uh, a very, a very sweet guy. Um, it's just been a bit much. And, uh, but the underlying part of that whole thing is that Freddie Anderson has been atrocious this year and now he's injured.
1: Now yeah. he's injured. He's Tough on,
0: year. he's on LTIR. And with David Riddick coming into the fold, as with them already having and with them already having also Michael Hutchison in the system, this is very much a message of uh, the Freddie Anderson era is over. Like they got Riddick to back up,
1: Pretty to back much, up yeah. Campbell.
0: They are yeah. not like I would be stunned if Anderson played another game for the rest of the year. Like he's done. Like there's no place to put him.
1: They're they're definitely going to be hoping that Jack Campbell is their Cam Ward. Basically, that's this is their year where they think they can ride like the. Andrew Hammond, Cam Ward type wave, where this unsung hero comes out of nowhere and carries them to the victory. That's fine. Let it happen. And,
0: and at the very forever. least, Riddick is experienced as a starting goaltender, so he he's he. They did the right thing, which is that they were like, okay, that eleven game streak or whatever is not going to last forever. So let's get let's get a, a goalie who, well, I think has maybe been overrated a tad at times. Uh, is still serviceable and can play in a pinch, can absolutely come in in a pinch and do well, uh, do well for you. Big save, Dave. Uh, <laughs> he 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 can. And obviously with Jacob Markstrom's contract, he wasn't going to be getting a lot of ice time anymore in Calgary. And mm-hmm. even if he was, there was no long-term future for him there because they were go- they're they're going to have to make the Markstrom contract work regardless of how well David Riddick did. So it make it it was a smart it was a smart call on the Flames part to go and get that third round pick for them, uh while they could and yeah the Leafs get that that goaltending depth that they very much crave. Indeed. Um, um the other two big trades that we'll get into right now, uh, before we kind of I guess kind of call it quits here for tonight because it's 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 late it's getting late here. Uh, although we've only been going for an hour twenty, it seems like we've been going for a lot longer.
1: Um, That's what late late hours of the night feel like they feel like yes. days. <laughs>
0: yes. And I have to step and edit this. So there's yeah. that as well. Um the biggest I I, I up until the the Mantha of uh, Verona trade th- mm-hmm. maybe even still. This was the biggest deal of the of the de- of the whole deadline week, which was the Boston Bruins acquiring Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. <laughs> For, for hey, literally nothing. Icelandic sensation Bjork is a talented musician and a great pickup for anybody. Uh, I'm stealing that joke from Daniel Wagner, but uh, who has been uh, just pumping out the great content lately. Um, uh, but anyway, the Sabres get Anders Bjork in a second round pick for 20- in 2021. Okay, here's the big question here. Did the Sabres sell ridiculously low on Taylor Hall, or does... Or is that just how little people think of Taylor Hall now?
1: Because um, he hasn't been
0: good this year. That's for darn sure. He only has one goal.
1: Thomas Strantz said publicly that Taylor Hall's stock is really down in the league because that's just the way they view him. And I feel like people forget. Like, isn't he making eight million dollars for a single yes, year? Like, I with an NMC, so. like that's how the fuck he's so, supposed to move that? I mean, the with Sabres no to retention. Retain.
0: The full, the full amount, I do believe. Yeah, so uh, or half of it. Sorry, half of it. They had to retain the full 50%. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, that's very Sabres of them. Like, they signed this gigantic deal. And kind of, like, Taylor Hall, like, you're an idiot, too, for signing such a fucking oh, giant deal. Why would you sign that?
0: Well, it's not that big. Well, he, well...
1: It's eight million dollars. Why would you sign a single year? It's a lot Why of, m- a a lot of money, million. but
0: it's one year deal. So the idea was that this was supposed to be the uh, this is the I am hedging the bet on myself sort of thing. I I mean I don't think any of us expected that contract to turn out this badly. Like no one expected it's to the Sabers. A- How could you not? It's a terrible deal. If you because sitting- one goal is still too little it's still less. If that's that's beneath expectations for Sabers suck it to and i would argue that was know, that man, came that's... out of left that part came out of left field come on the
1: whole thing was he was signing a one-year extension with the purposes that it would rebuild his stock so he could go elsewhere so yes if you really wanted to when you take a smaller like paycheck so that you have a better chance of getting moved to a like an actual contender i mean that's Boston looks like they are going to be a contender this year but Like it isn't like Tampa, like say like he signed like a one year, two million dollar deal, Buffalo uses the excess six million to get like like a bona fide starting goaltender or something. Like they're in on Markstrom or something, for all you know, right? And then suddenly if like if they're a better team and they actually go for playoffs with Buffalo, then his stock rises even further because it's Taylor Hall and whatever. It's finally not he's finally not on a bottom feeder. Yeah. Uh, or they play like shit still, and then he gets traded to Tampa because it's easier to retain two million dollars than it is four million dollars and still get a premium deal out of it.
0: Or like um, Colorado or Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe so, Toronto. Toronto was interested at one point. They definitely yeah, wanted him at some point.
1: Exactly. So uh, it's just like it's it's just a funny deal because it's just. It's it encapsulates everything about like the Sabers that is funny, where <laughs> they yeah, get I, nothing in return for two players. That's that's yeah. awesome.
0: <laughs> I will say, and I think I I think it was Rachel Dory put this best on on uh, on Twitter where they where she was like, uh, this is a trade that you should sleep on. If this is the offer, you wait a day. You wait until the next day to actually make the decision, which is not what the Sabres did. They made that trade at late, late night on the 11th. It says 12th. It says, it says like midnight on April 12th, but it was for, which means for us, it was still like 9 p.m. over here on the West Coast, right? So they made, they made it the day before, essentially. They made that trade the day before the deadline and... And she's totally right. Like, this is a, you should absolutely have waited to make, for the market to get a little better, or people to get a little more desperate and offer you more. Because you very clearly went panicked, they very, the Sabres very clearly panicked that they weren't going to get anything for him, and sold him too quickly. And sure enough, like, the next, and sure enough, like, the, what, the next day, players of Arguably lesser yeah, caliber, much lesser caliber started like going less for point. higher picks like
1: upside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for
0: more, for more draft picks. Like you, you should yeah. have waited. You very pretty easily funny. should have waited. Um, and then the last, I guess the last trade of the, the big, of the big ones that we'll get into here. Um, Jeff Carter, uh, going to the Penguins, uh, for a conditional third round pick in 2022 and a conditional fourth round pick in 2023 going back to the LA Kings. Yeah, I don't know bad. what the conditions are on that. Uh, see, like, I think if, this is, well, if they win for the, the Kings, I think this is a good trade. If they
1: get to the conference finals, the conditionals jump up a year and up a round for both, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, It's something it's weird the, like that, the, but... But see, it's I think this is a
1: Burke trade. That's what it is.
0: Yes, this, I see. I maintain this is a very dumb trade for the Penguins because they're well. I get that they're going all in, but literally the thing that they needed the absolute least was to make their team even older, and they made and them older, Jeff <laughs> older and slower. That yeah. is the big problem for the Penguins is that they're a lot of their players are old and slow. And this is not it. This was not the trade. that Taylor Hall would have been a better pickup in a certain sense here because at least he's young and kind of can move his feet. I get that Jeff Carter has more points, but Mm. he's old. And uh, this is also a very Ron Hextall move because he loves Jeff Carter and he loves Mike Richards. Uh, Sure does. Uh, cause he played for, cause he was, uh, well not played. He was uh part of the management team in the Kings when they won the cup yes. uh, those two times with Jeff yeah. Carter and Mike Richards. Um, and yeah. I believe he was instrumental in getting them there in the first place. Um, this is, it's just, a like it could work out, but I very much am, I'm very much on the train of the Penguins are not going to make it past round one. So I think this was a very silly trade to make. Well, but I guess if the conditions are like so they only get the sorry, they only get the picks if they make it to the conference final?
1: No, they still get the picks, but if they, they make it they to upgrade. the Stanley Cup finals, then they become even better picks, which is
0: Okay.
1: Very, I so very yeah. Funny.
0: Very very well, if they make the cup final, like yeah, I guess you you did what you asked, right? Yeah. Um exactly. they did you, you did the thing. You did the important part. And yes. I, so it doesn't matter in the long run, but right now a third and a fourth it, it's not a lot granted but yeah. it still kind of feels like a did i don't see why you needed to make that trade or if you were going to make a trade to go all in uh for this group this year uh there were younger better options for you out there
1: yeah and agreed.
0: i think with that i think that's it from the uh trade standpoint was there any other trades you wanted to talk about before we get into anything else here before we get into uh like okay
1: no man that's 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 I think uh, pretty much the big the big deadline day. I don't think anything else really like most most of the trades were pretty like boring. Was, like they were just yeah. pretty standard, like, you know, picks I mean the here, trade deadline's there. always underwhelming. They're all yeah, like yeah.
0: it's all, the literally the Mantha trade, the Mantha Verana trade was actually like, oh my god, that's actually kinda fun because it wasn't yeah. a trade for two guys with like two expiring contracts on like it's guys with term moving like the what they call yeah. the hockey deal because yeah, the hockey deal it's a...
1: always fun to watch hockey deal
0: right um I guess if you were to label a winner and a loser in the deadline uh who are that who would you pick out of the teams involved
1: uh would the winner be um...
0: winner could be anybody I would say for me I'll give you some time I'll say the winners for me uh were San Jose san jose was a big one because even though they sold they got involved in trades that they didn't necessarily uh that they could have and they found way creative ways to get involved and get picks and prospects uh from other teams that were needing help that needed help with making the numbers crunching the numbers um cap and that's great that's the kind of thinking that gets you farther and gets you to back to contention faster so I would give put them in that department. I would say I think I, I feel like Florida did all right this year. Uh, they bring in Lucas Walmart. Uh, they get uh, they get a um, they get uh, who was the other guy they picked up here? Oh, they picked up Sam Bennett uh, from the Flames. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. For a, they paid a bit of a premium to get him, but honestly, the Panthers are a team that needs playoff that needs to get into the playoffs, whatever the cost, and actually do some damage. Yeah, and again, another sleeper pick I think who could do actually really decently. Chris Drieger has been fantastic in them for net in net, yeah. for them in net. Uh, he made a great save tonight in the game against Dallas. Uh, in the game against Dallas tonight, they're very they're I believe tied for first in the division right now. Um, so I think they're a winner here and then, and, uh, I'll let you go. Let's see. What are your winners here? If you had to pick some,
1: uh, I'd probably say the winners are the Chicago Blackhawks, sadly. Um, really? despite, despite the fact that they took on a bunch of salary with like uh, Brett Connolly with a trade for Lu- Lucas Walmark and, uh, uh whatever the other Carlson or whatever his Riley name is. Riley
0: Stillman, Henrik Borgstrom are the ones they got bringing in. Yeah, Hen- Henrik out, they Borgstrom
1: out- is like a good pickup because if he returns to the States, like that's a pretty big boost. Like when I saw him with uh, Springfield, whatever the fucks, uh, I thought he was actually pretty good in the one game that I saw of him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they trade out like basically a bunch of nothing and get uh cap space bunch of prospects, a second round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick, and a seventh round pick, and two like legitimately decent players. Like that's that's a good haul for like a team that's still technically like on the cusp of like making playoffs.
0: Yeah. I would put I would I, I forgot to also mention the Panthers did pick up Brandon Montour from the Sabres. That was a nice piece of trade that was a nice trade for the Sabres. That was actually a good that was, the haul trade really uh, really made made it bittersweet because that was actually a decent trade for them because Montour right. wasn't working there, and I think he and I think it's another case of it's the Buffalo curse, and once he goes to Florida, he'll do probably better. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So for them to get a third round pick out of that was great. Yeah. Um, also, I should mention, oh my god, because they won, because they always win, the freaking Lightning getting David Savard. Uh, getting David Savard with that cap space with that Kucheroff, definitely not injured cap space, totally fine, Uh, totally Totally not not circumvention of the cap. Again, if you can find loopholes in the rules, I'm not gonna actually, I'm not actually gonna fault you on that. So, good on them for finding the loopholes in the system. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Um, oh, the Red Wings, also a winner, they also did very well. Uh,
1: Steve Iserman continues to fleece everybody in his path. And didn't even need to say it names. because we all just know. We all just Ste- know. If Stevie True. Wise is at the deadline, he's probably doing something very good. Yes.
0: Um and if he likes your and if he calls you,
1: hang call,
0: immediately put hang the phone. Hang yeah. up. Hang up. Disconnect. Um losers of the tri- of the, the of the deadline. Um huh. I'm not gonna put Buffalo in there because I again I think again the hall trade wasn't good enough. But, again, his stock has dropped so much that it's kind of hard for them to really give them a hard time about it. Um, I guess if I had to put a loser in there, I'm going to throw the Canucks in. The Canucks did not do well, did not do enough. Uh, they needed to do more. Uh, uh, for sure, I would put them in there. I, but it's I, I could still argue that they maybe they shouldn't be necessarily in the loser's setup. I think I'm just salty. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I think you got to put in, like... Who didn't, like, I mean, who didn't get involved? Edmonton. Arizona Edmonton's didn't huge... do anything. Arizona and Edmonton. Yes, thank you. Those are um, the two biggest Minnesota because... didn't
1: do anything either, I don't think.
0: Um, yeah. Um, okay, so starting with Edmonton, uh, they're a team that absolutely needs to surround um, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with more help, and they didn't. And And interestingly
1: enough, like, so just sorry not to cut you off, but Ken Holland then had a quote where he's like, some years you just know when to not go in all in on a deadline. So it's kind of like, does he not think that this is the year for the Edmonton Oilers and that it's not worth going all in? I don't know. It's very interesting. that he came out with that quote.
0: Maybe he's thinking in in my stance, in my viewpoint where it's the, uh, this year they're getting no rev. There's no revenue. There's no. There's not the added bonuses of making the playoffs, so it's not worth spending. Maybe he's thinking in that regard. But even still, yeah. that that's real weird for a team that has missed the playoffs as many times as the Oilers have in the last, uh, what 20, twen- almost twenty years or whatever years, be like, I believe, f- fifteen yeah. years. they've just missed just to be it. like, missed, oh, you
1: know 15- when your window's open, it's like.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I guess they get they did get Dmitry Kulikov. That was a decent pickup for them, but I would still put them sure. in the losers because that wasn't enough. That wasn't yeah. they didn't do enough for what they need to do. Um, Arizona, a huge loser here because they're fighting they for that anything. last wild card spot, and of all the teams in the of out of aside from Florida, out of all the teams in the league that should absolutely be gunning for a playoff spot to give any sort of semblance of success and, um, and, um, well-run organization aspects to the fans, uh, the Coyotes needed it and they did nothing. Uh, that team yeah. is, uh, that is going to, I think that's going to come back to haunt them very quickly because they need a playoff spot more than just about anybody for the, Hey, look, we can actually make the playoffs and do some damage now on a regular basis aspect. And they're not doing it. That's a, that's a huge L for them.
1: Yeah, totally. Would you would you put that, anyone else in there? No, Arizona was gonna be my uh team that fucked up the deadline. Like yeah in their position, like you had to do something. If you're not contending, then sell. And they didn't do literally anything, so they're my yep. losers.
0: Alright. And yeah. I think we'll I think we'll end this episode off very briefly. Uh with uh if you're still here, because <laughs> this has been a long one. This has been a very long episode. Um, we're going to end it because we haven't done it in about a month. Cody's Comets corner because it's oh time. God. You haven't done one in ages. It's going to, we'll keep it quick. We'll keep it very, we'll keep it very easy and quick here. Um, yeah, so the, pretty, the Comets- pretty
1: simple. the uh, Comets came back from their month long layoff with, uh, a weekend back to back. They played Friday and Saturday against, uh, Rochester and Syracuse respectively. And then they played again today against Syracuse. Um, as expected, uh, they look like complete dog shit against uh, both teams <laughs> oh, on the weekend because, as one would expect, a team coming off of a COVID layoff it's going to look very bad in their first games back. And for whatever fucking reason, the AHL scheduling committee decided to just completely blow up the AH or the Comet schedule by giving them, uh, I think, six games in their first nine games back or something like that or five it's like five and nine i can't remember but point is they look like shit today uh they played against a syracuse team that was without its two top players in alex beret boulet and mitchell stevens and wouldn't you know it the comments actually look pretty decent in the second and third period and that's after getting completely destroyed in the first period like i'm not joking in my game recap I included timestamps of whenever the comets left their zone because it happened twice in the first ten minutes. That's it. They left their zone to change, so so Jack Rathbone didn't step onto the ice until sixteen forty-two of the first period because wow. the comets took a period uh, a penalty within the first twelve seconds, and so the penalty killers came out. They then got hemmed into their zone when. uh, whoever it was came onto the ice. And then when uh, it returned to five on five, they got stuck in their zone and uh, <laughs> someone else took a penalty while they were still hemmed in the zone. So they went back on the penalty kill. So it was like 1442. in the first period when Jack Rathbone actually stepped on the ice for a shift of five on five, it was ugly as fuck to say the ugly. least and um, props to them they came back and they eventually ended up winning check out my recap on commentsharvest.com to find out more but yes it was a good game uh, but uh, yeah yeah
0: based on your expectations of what they were coming into uh from the from that giant covid layoff uh did would you say they were they above your expectation or below it or right exactly they were exactly completely they in
1: line were. with wh- where i expected them to be like this season's weird enough that there's so little talent distributed amongst uh, the AHL teams that any night, some team is probably going to look like a like a monstrous squad, and the other team is going to look like dog shit. Uh, tonight, uh, the Syracuse Crunch, despite having dominated the the Comets on Saturday, it looked like complete dog shit tonight. Um, and then you add in the fact that they're coming off this giant layoff. So, like my expectations were bottom of the barrel. I pretty much said as much in my game recap that you can't actually take anything of note from these games because they're coming off such a, like an awful health situation that if they come in and look rusty, you can't be like, Oh, they made a bad pass or a giveaway. Cause it's like, who cares? Like they're coming off such a break and their health is so fucked with that. Like they're going to look like shit for the first like week and a half, basically. Mm-hmm. It's happened to every single NHL team so far that's had this happen to them. So my expectations were very low. I had zero belief that they would be able to win tonight, but uh, the Syracuse Crunch aren't the same team without Alex Bureboulay as they are with it. So it worked in their favor, helped them uh, shake the cobwebs off, and uh, maybe it'll be a little different uh, as the weekend comes uh, up here when they play Friday again and yep. I think Saturday or Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. It's a it's a it, it's absolutely there. insane schedule. If you if you haven't seen it yet, check out my game recap at cometsharvest.com because I put in some screen caps of the schedule and like just look at their May schedule. It is
0: oh I can pull it is right one now. of
1: the stupidest things you'll ever see. I can it pull is
0: that up right now. There it is. Yeah. Uh it's not good. Yeah, it's a uh, the April and 20 is just a it's just a big old mess. You got you got two back-to-backs in one week and then mm-hmm. you got seven ge- you got what if I if you I'm get- counting this correctly, eight games in 14 in 13 days. Yeah. Uh, if I got that correct. Which is
1: a- which is just the stupidest thing Thanks. because like I said, there's no Calder playoffs you're playing for, so it's just like who 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 was asking for 19 games in 36 fucking day, g- days? You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares. Yeah, wow. Who cares? There's no broadcast dollars. There's AHL TV, and that's it. Like, there was no need for this many so, games.
0: Or at the very least, there's no need for them to squish it all together when they could have just spaced it out a little longer. Exactly. Um, and frankly, this is a good insight into what's about to happen for the Canucks here, too, because this is pretty much... This is... This is very close to what you're about to see the Canucks go on. Yes. The kind of run they're about to go on for the next little bit. Um, yeah. The last thing I wanted to it ask you very quick. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you, I know you said don't take too much stock into what's been going on, into mm-hmm. what the actual on ice stuff and the on ice play, but Jonah Gadjovich has come back doing just pretty much picking up where he left off. Um, mm-hmm. How, how has he looked? And do you, And does it feel like it's maybe getting closer to a sustainability set, especially at what he's come back from? It's still, you you don't feel sustainable.
1: I, I understand why the hype would be there. It's a kid scoring every single game at the AHL level, but just based on what I see, he is a guy whose specialty is skating to the net and standing there and letting Sam Ennis deflect pucks off of his stick while he stands at the front of the net, which is a skill but honestly, it's a
0: skill the Canucks need more of. They don't have enough guys to stand in front of the net.
1: True, but <laughs> pretending that Gadjevich is somehow like this elite goal scorer or like this like surefire pro- prospect now or again because he's benefiting from playing on a top line with top line distributors like Sam Annis, like quad A talent, it's a bit much for me. I still don't see any semblance of a defensive game. I don't think he has the skating to be even worthy of a call-up. I, I I've said this before in my game recaps, but Justin Bailey has wheels for days, and he proved he could score with his speed. And his game still barely translates to the NHL. Like, he just now, as a 26-year-old, started to... Maybe, and I'm using like asterisks and air quotes, he might have started to gain trust with Travis Green after having two solid games for them before getting injured by Milan Lucic. Uh, Zach McEwen in his breakout year had like was basically just going gung ho with his back checking, his defensive play. Even though he's bad at it, he was at least showing the effort that he would skate like a madman in the offensive zone, try and score, and then outrace his own defense into the defensive zone on a back check. Like the kid wanted to prove he was at least going to hustle and make it count, even if he didn't actually do anything off of it. Whereas Gadjevich, I see him racing to the offensive zone, but he's never the first man back. He's usually the highest man in the slot or or sorry, in the uh, defensive zone or in the, or in the neutral zone. He just doesn't have the speed to be that game breaker and you can see with a guy like justin bailey where he does have game breaking speed and it isn't even good enough to make it translate at the nhl level so it's great for him that he's scoring at the rate he is i think he's got 11 goals on the team right now it's the team lead i mean that's pretty much all you can really take away from it is he's having a good year but it's against a Drastically depleted talent level in the AHL, and it's not through, like, say, the Cole Lind or Justin Bailey type work ethic that was required to score goals. It's basically just standing still, <laughs> which is a bit Fair harsh, enough. but and, I mean, it's uh, the way and, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned his skating, and obviously. You mentioned his skating, you mentioned the fact that he is very much a sc- streaky scorer type, Frank, and the fact of the matter is, like, right now, for the Canucks, from the Canucks standpoint, the way that they look at team building, uh, mm-hmm. there's not a spot for him there. He would have to be playing in the top six, which he's just not good enough to do, right? Exactly. Which he's just not good enough to do. Because they don't have a third, because they don't consider the third line a scor- third line a scoring line. They no. They need to be a line.
1: shutdown line or a checking line, yeah. right? And right. so, if and you can't, that's not if you can't PK, there. then you're not going to get mean? a long leash trying to break the Canucks as they are currently constructed. Which is also yes. why you look at the trade they made for Matthew Highmore. They were told he is a, uh, a shutdown checking defensive center. Uh, Adam Gaudet wasn't, so therefore, the least, yeah yeah so they placed a premium on that for that two-way like skill and honestly like Gadjevich isn't a two-way player like i would put will lockwood and his two points or his zero points or whatever it is above him because he has nhl skating but he actually has a defensive game so yeah fair enough
0: fair enough but, and that's Comet service for this uh for this uh Tuesday. And uh yeah, hopefully it's gonna be a bit of a rough go for you coming up, but
1: uh comments. I'll be again. trying my hardest to try and get into episodes in the coming weeks. If you if you weren't watching the YouTube video, it is it is about as ugly as it sounds with nineteen games in thirty six days. Yeah. Trying to squeeze data tracking in that and a lot of them are back to backs like it's going to be really tough. <laughs> literally
0: every game, literally every game, every week coming up there's a Friday game. So, yeah, I believe I'm lucky enough that this was I think we're I think we're lucky enough that this is the only uh Tuesday game for the rest of the year. Uh, so yeah. that'll be good, but for the Fridays, uh, we'll figure that out. As yeah, we,
1: Fridays is going to be like, a, what the fuck are we going to figure out? But we'll figure it out for we'll you guys see. because we appreciate you guys listening to us. Thanks yes. for tuning in to this episode of The Comet's Harvest. Our day late trade-led... What I say? The
0: not the... You said The Comet's Harvest. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I'm very tired. <laughs> wow, wait to
0: plug you... Yes, you are very... You've worked... He's worked very hard, people. Duh, yes. uh, give him give Apologies. him props. If we were giving out Infinity got. Gauntlets this week. Uh, he'd be getting one because he literally wrote an entire article, covered an entire game, and then came back and did the uh, the pod tonight at literally as we approach midnight recording
1: yes. this. And then, um, we, then you yeah. and I will both be waking up at six a.m. Actually, I'll be up at five thirty. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: always on. Always anyway. on the pod. We do <laughs> this because. We have, we have aspirations for bigger stuff, but also because we like bringing you guys the content yeah. and everything.
1: Yeah, so thanks, guys, for listening to Sakaris and Price. We really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Rate, like, subscribe to us. That's Creasecast, not Sicaris and Price. That was, just, that was just a joke, everyone. That was a joke, yes. But uh, you can follow me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter. And you can follow me on cometsharvest.com for all my latest game day recaps. Amazingly, the comets are in fact playing hockey as we just described. Lachlan, where can the fine fans of the Creasecast find you?
0: You can find me on on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lochin the Crease. And as well as I do some stuff on TikTok sometimes now as well. And oh, well, yeah, you big can fan. find my yeah, big fan. Yeah, and uh, you, as well as uh, my uh, writing, and you can find my writing work over at uh where I do the North Division power rankings um, every single week when the Canucks are playing. So the last yeah. couple weekends hasn't been there, uh, but we will be back one hundred percent for sure this Sunday uh, as the Canucks get ready to play their first game. This uh, our next podcast will be after the will be immediately after uh, Canucks and Oilers on the Friday night. Uh, you Oops. can also check out our pa- uh did you mention the Patreon? I forget. But uh, Probably not. Probably not. Uh I got the name also- of our
1: co- I got the name of our podcast right wrong, so there's zero chance that I plugged the True. Patreon. True. <laughs> You're t- yes.
0: Uh so the Patreon for you can join our, for our for for 5 bucks a month, you can uh jump in on our uh on our bonus pod squad tier and which gets you our off the post episodes which uh, uh well, we were going to do one this weekend but then the Canucks... uh Signed Tanner Pearson, so we switched that up a bit. Yeah, and uh, Cody's again. Cody's been very busy with the uh, Comet's return, so that had to. We had to shuffle some stuff around. We'll be back with a. I believe we'll be doing an off the post episode for sure this week. uh, When we find the when we find uh, I believe close probably either like Thursday or something. Um, But yeah, you can check that out. Uh, Also, you also get perks like sometimes like early access to some of our articles as well as updates on the sites. And um and as well as uh access to our Discord channel, uh where we chat sometimes as well. Uh mm-hmm. or going to be chatting more as we go forward here. And uh yeah, I think that's it. I think that's everything. Have we yeah. missed anything on this uh trade deadline? Uh nobody nobody got traded. None of us got traded. That's the no, important No, As far part as we know, we have not traded.
1: But anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in and uh we'll catch you in the next episode whenever that will be. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.